welcome to all of the things. Since all of you have been busy with your own things this week, we've rounded up anything and everything that's making major headlines and filling your news feeds. I'm Fumi Akinyade. And I'm Johnny Churchill. And we're about to break down all of the things. Yo, 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 what's up, bitches? I would like to apologize, number one, for that introduction. (laughs) I'm really sorry. Number two, I'm extremely sick, so if I sound um, congested, it's because I am. You want us to feel sorry for you? No, I just want you to know, like, I'm on a lot of drugs right now, so that's probably why I said, what's up, bitches? And I apologize. (laughs) All right. Yeah, so my thing of the week is uh, the new FX show, The People vs. O.J. Simpson, American Crime Story. I am, I I don't support this show. I think it's kind of weird because I feel when we do these like dramatization of the OJ Simpson trial, it's always like the glove and Johnny Cochran and like the white Bronco and the chase. And it's never about the fact that like two innocent human beings lost their lives and no one, I feel we just gloss over that fact. Like we're more focused on the trial than like the actual human lives that were lost. And it just, it makes me feel a little uncomfortable so as much as I would love to tune into a new show, and I am desperately looking for new shows to watch, I can't do it this time around. Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, I, I can't watch it, but my reason is slightly different. It's because I, I already know how it ends. So oh, Good one. I'm, okay. I'm not interested, really. All right. My thing is uh, maybe less interesting or important. I'm not really sure. But it is about resting bitch face. Okay. Mm. I actually have been told mean that I also have resting bitch face. Oh, you definitely do. But here's the thing. I, the reason I have resting bitch face is it makes complete sense. It's because okay. I'm constantly going through the list of people I want to kill in my head and adding and subtracting. <laughs> so, of course, I have resting bitch face. I'm not even surprised when people say that. But... I have wondered before what exactly resting bitch face is, you know? Like, I can, I know it when I see it, but what is it? So... Two behavioral scientists oh, get out. have looked get into this. Out. Oh. I swear, they used a face reading software Bye. to get to the bottom of it. It's actually ridiculous. And uh, it turns out that when your neutral face has hints of contempt, mm. so like a slight lip snarl or like a, a slight uh, squinting of the eyes or a furrowing of the brow. Yeah, that's that, actually my look. I thought that's like sexy. It's um, not? Okay. But what, one thing that I thought was super interesting from their study was that resting bitch face actually happens... To the nicest people? <laughs> is that, is, I don't think that's true, actually. Um, but equally in men and women. Oh. So it's named wrong. Why isn't there resting dick face? Exactly. We all know resting bitch face is real. But the good news is, for anyone that hangs out with us, it's not contagious. <laughs> and that actually brings us to our first thing of the day. And it's our thing that is still a thing. So we talked about the Zika virus last week, but this week there was a new development. According to health officials in Dallas, Texas, a patient there contracted the Zika virus after having sex with someone who had been to Venezuela. What? Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. There is no escaping this now. No, that's right. The Zika virus is now supposedly a sexually transmitted disease. And there is still no vaccine. So it looks like this story's going to be around for a very long time. So let's move into our new things. 
Our first new thing is the evacuation squad, and they've actually claimed responsibility for calling in bomb threats all around the world. Prank calls, they've gone a step further, and now what people do is um, they do these things called bomb threats, and they call up schools, and they say, hey, we're going to bomb up your school, and then they shut down the school, and then it's a whole evacuation, and it's a really big deal. It's becoming a thing. We had bomb threats at our school all the time. We would have to go and, like, uh, stand in the football field, which always really well, confused me. you're from Kentucky, me. so. What, what, like, there's just bombs know. everywhere just, in Kentucky? People are weird. Afghanistan? People are weird in Kentucky. I don't have, I have no idea. Like, it sounds crazy to me. But anyway, there's been, like, a huge international, like, bomb threat epidemic that's like caused schools to close in the UK, US, in Japan, in Australia. And finally, a group has come out and they've claimed responsibility for them. According to their Twitter page, which has since been shut down, it's made up of six international members. and they Just u- six? Yeah, just six of them. And they're just causing that much ruckus. They're using a stolen VOIP account to make the threats. And currently, they're just doing it for free, just for their amusement. But they did say after March 16th, they will start charging people for threats. So you can pay anywhere from 5 to $20 in Bitcoin. Of course, they would be using yeah. Bitcoin. And you can pay them to make a threat for you. So kids, if you're not trying to take that final, Got go it. invest in Bitcoin and then find them and then send them a bomb threat request. And they got you. If you're wondering, why, why are you doing this? They have a great reason. They said, quote, we do these threats because they are funny to us. That's um, a good enough reason if I've ever heard of they're one. They're doing them for the lulls. They're just, literally just for the It's not going to be so funny for them when the FBI starts tracing no, those phone calls it's and they not all that go to part, jail. That's when it stops being funny. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think that there's a way to stop them. Really, I mean, you might be able to stop these individuals, but the thing about the internet is you catch one, another one pops up. So I don't really see how this is going to work. But... Sometimes people do come up with creative ways to stop illegal activity, which gets us into our next story, which is about how Homeland Security is teaming up with strip club owners to stop sex traffickers. Hey, throw it up, throw it up. Yeah. Does that fall out? Does that fit for this? No? I have no idea. Okay. Here's the thing. They've been doing this for a little while now, and they hadn't done it previously because they're thinking, okay, strip club owners are exactly the type of people who would be involved in something like this. So these are the people. that's not necessarily true. It is and it isn't, right? Because these things happen around strip clubs, and obviously there are tons of strip club owners who are on the up and up, and there are some who are not so much, right? But the group is called Organizers Against Sex Trafficking, and it works to train strip club owners and strippers themselves warning signs of human trafficking so that they can report suspicious activity to authorities. So um, something like if a girl comes in for an interview and she doesn't have access to her ID and someone else does, that's a red flag. that's how you know she has like a pimp or whatever. Exactly. Got you. The most important thing to me about this isn't even the training so much as it opens up the line of communication between these people and Homeland Security. So it's like if they see these things now, instead of it being like, oh, that's fishy, they know exactly where to go to report it and hopefully get it addressed. No, I like that. I like that. I actually think that sounds like a step in the right direction. Speaking of steps in the right direction, let me give you a little rundown here. The Atla Church in New York, which was known for their um, homophobia and signs saying things like 
Jesus would stone homos or things like um, Obama has unleashed the homo demons. These are all things they had in their little cute little church sign outside. Oh, that's well, nice. Well, funny thing about the church, they're actually up for foreclosure right now because they have over a million dollars in debt. So that's yeah. perfect. And two LGBT advocacy groups are now raising money to try and buy the church. The uh, River of Living Waters Ministries, which is an LGBT inclusive church, and the Ali Forney Center, which is an organization that helps homeless LGBT youth. They started this crowdfunding site because they want to try and, like, you know, take the church away from these evil homophobic spewing people. That's and cool. in just three days, they were actually able to raise over $100,000. So I think that's a great thing. Yeah. But they they need $1.2 million to buy the church. So I'm hoping Oof. you guys hear the story, go out there, donate, help some people out. Well, I think it's nice that they're creating a more welcoming place. But it turns out Germany might not be. Angela Merkel made some statements that were less than welcoming to refugees. And it was really shocking considering. Oh, yeah. I thought she's been, like, really open to them and, like. Yeah, she's she's been hailed for all of her efforts to try to yeah. make refugees I was feel comfortable. Her and, like a few weeks ago, exactly. But so the thing is, she didn't. I think this story's been blown out out of proportion a little bit, okay? Because she didn't exactly say anything uh, negative to refugees. She didn't say anything negative about them being there, about not wanting them. What she was saying was, "This is a temporary solution." Okay, that I their can see residency that. I completely agree with it. in Germany is temporary and that she expects that after the countries that they fled from are no longer war-torn and being overrun by ISIS, that they would then take the things that they learned in Germany and return to their homeland. I don't I know. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, not um, even, like, that's, that's just not how that works. Yeah, she's been getting a lot of flack for it in the media, and I honestly think that she wouldn't be had she not been coming across as so open and welcoming I don't think that comes off as unwelcoming to refugees. I think that just comes off as like she just has the wrong idea of what's going to end up happening here. I don't think they're going to be like, oh, well, war's over. Time to go back home. Yeah. What's home? If anything, it's naive. Well, in other international news, North Korea is really showing that they're, they're not fucking around this year. Earlier in January, they announced that they had successfully detonated a hydrogen bomb. Now, that turned out to not really be true, but it still had everyone on alarm. And then just this week on Tuesday, they informed the world of their plans to launch an Earth observation satellite on a rocket. Now, they didn't give a specific date, so to say, but they did say it would be anywhere between February 8th to February 25th, so we don't really know. South Korea and the U.S. have spoken out against it, and they're saying that this would violate the U.N. Security Council resolutions. Something that I don't think North Korea gives any fucks about. Yeah, they don't care. I don't even know why we even keep issuing these statements as if they're going to be like, well, we did sign that thing that said we wouldn't do this. So, did they, But they though? didn't even sign that yeah. thing. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like, I don't give a fuck. But yeah. yeah, so this is another thing. North Korea is back in the news and they're like scaring everyone shitless yet again. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that it's so much... That, that they're scaring everyone. It's just more everything they do, the entire world latches onto. Well, I think it's because it's like no one really knows what's going on there and because they're so closed off. And so when they do do something or they do make an announcement, it's like, oh my God, we got word from North Korea. Look at what they're doing now. Yeah, ah. yeah I, well, absolutely. It's like a very slow trickle of information which makes everything much more interesting. But here's the thing about this. And I watched a documentary recently called The Propaganda Game. And I watched that one too. It's 
it's good, right? Yes. For those of you that are listening that may not have seen it, it's basically an inside look into North Korea. A documentarian was given like unprecedented access. That being said, it's obviously he, he was, wasn't really given that much he access was the whole time <laughs> kind of weird. and shown exactly what they wanted to show him. But one of the things that was raised in the documentary by some of the experts on the outside that he talked to was the fact that we all laugh and joke about North Korea all the time. And the reality is it's not funny. You know, we have movies about North Korea. We have memes every time they do something. If there's a photo of Kim Jong-un looking at antiquated equipment, suddenly it blows up all over Mm -hmm. the internet and we're like, ha, 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 ha. But the reality is, as of 2013, there were 24.9 million people living in North Korea. And I just want that to set in for a second because that is a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Like, that is a lot of people to be living in this little space that we really don't know anything about that are being completely sheltered from the rest of the world. So speaking of taking things seriously, I want to move on to our next story because Google has started using an ad service to target potential ISIS recruits. Oh, what? Yeah, so... The idea is that when people are Googling certain search terms uh, related to ISIS, like join ISIS uh, or... Um, like, what what do you Google when you're trying to join? Yeah. Like, how would you even go about... Yeah, you're just like, where do I go drop myself I, like, off? What, is, like, what, do you, what would you possibly put in the search box? Um, well, if you're Googling something like that, you're an idiot. So you literally Google join ISIS okay. or how do I join ISIS? So okay. anyways, people put these search terms into Google and now... Ads are going to pop up along with the search results that are going to be kind of anti-ISIS propaganda-y ads. Okay. Yeah. Um, Mad respect to Google for trying to stop (laughs) ISIS in whatever way they they can. I think this is stupid. Really? I don't think an ad is going to stop someone from joining ISIS. I feel if I was Googling that, I'm past the point of being saved by an ad. I I agree. However... Google is kind of in an interesting spot here. Shouldn't they just turn that information over to the government? I'm sure they're doing that. Okay. But the reality is they can't, like, as a company who's putting information out there to be respected in the internet world, they can't remove posts with the answers to those questions. So in an effort to try to balance that, they're putting these anti-terror movement ads in there, which I think makes sense. Well, so it's not it's not exactly anti-ISIS ads. It's, you know, let's say you uh, Google a pair of shoes you want to buy and the the top two things say like sponsored results. And it's like a Macy's sale or something. It's like that. But instead it's for these anti-terror movements. Okay. So that's, okay, I get that. That's how that works. And meanwhile, the Pentagon is focusing on spending more money um, in the fight against ISIS. Next week, the Pentagon is proposing its 2017 spending plan. And, um, you know, they love money. So one of their proposals is going to be increasing spending by 50% mm. in matters against ISIS. That's a lot of Where money. Where is that going to? All towards military stuff? or like? It's going towards those those Google ads. Those Actually, no, I'm just kidding. Let's get into what else is going on in Washington this week with our political things. 
Our first political thing is coming from President Obama, who has yet another executive action. I'm shocked. And yet again, I support this one. This time, it's in response to fair pay. Last Friday was the seventh anniversary of the Lilly Ledbetter Fair Pay Act, which was the law extending the statutes of limitations for um, filing pay discrimination lawsuits. It was named after Ledbetter, who was a supervisor at Goodyear Tire and Rubber Plant, who found out that her male co-workers were making significantly more than her for, like, decades. And so after that story dropped, they pushed for this act. Now, on the same day as the anniversary, Obama announced an executive action that would require companies that have over 100 employees to report to the federal government what they pay employees, and this will be broken down by race, gender, and ethnicity. Hmm. Now, the companies, they already submit a form that reports employees' um, sex, age, and job group. So now the only thing that they're adding to that is their salary. And the rules would be completed by September 1st, and the report is due out like a year later. I fully what, support... What, what is the point So here's this. the thing. The White House hopes that this data, they will be able to, number one, penalize companies that are engaging in discriminatory practices. See, that... <sighs> would, and then they're also hoping that this would encourage companies to self-police themselves. Okay. Because some companies are saying that, hey, we're not even aware... like. You right. know, you don't realize you're doing it until it's in front of your face and you see the data and you're like, oh shit, I am paying this girl for some reason 10% less than this guy who has the same job as she does. I'm on board with that aspect of it, of like once it's in front of your face, you're like, oh crap, I didn't mm-hmm. even realize this was happening. Um, penalizing companies, I think is very difficult because there's so much more that goes into a salary someone makes than just their position. I mean, I know people who do the same exact job that I do who get paid more because their job before this job applied better to what I'm we're doing now so they get a higher rate and I I don't think that a worksheet like that shows you the entire story so that makes me nervous that's all I'm saying okay I I see your point but I don't think that's usually the case I feel usually when people are, are paying females less they're doing it intentionally and it's not because they actually have a reason other than the fact they're just like I'm gonna pay this guy more currently women make about 79% of what men earn and it's even worse when it comes to women of color black females are making 64% to what a man earns and for Latinas they're at 54% so I feel you on maybe penalizing them isn't the right thing to do but I do feel at least making sure these companies are gathering the data so they can see mm-hmm. how they're paying their employees and whether or not they're paying them equally, I think that's a good thing. Let's move on to the biggest political thing this week, which was obviously the Iowa caucus. So I don't know if you watched the the caucus go down. I didn't, but I did Google what is a caucus. Oh, would you like to share what you found? Is very confusing. Here's the thing about the Iowa caucus. It's super confusing and no one really understands what it even is, right? Because it's not exactly like you're voting for who the nominee is, but you kind of are. It's different because what happens at a caucus is you have these little meetings. You don't just go in and put a ballot in a box. You have like a town hall where you discuss the ideas and the candidates and then you as a group then choose who you want to give a delegate to. Here's the thing I noticed off the bat on Monday about the Iowa caucus. Reporters were losing their shit. (laughs) They were acting like this was like the biggest night of the year. I mean, they... People have a hard-on for 2016, They could not wait. It was crazy. It was like the second the caucuses started, literally the second, there there were tickers on the bottom of the news channels that were like... 
too soon to call. Well, of course it is. It literally <laughs> just started. Like, what are you talking about? This is insane. Um, so you had that going on. Then as things started to progress, it, it just became crazier and crazier. And on the Democratic side, there were some issues which came up and things were really close and people were watching closely what was yeah, happening. And then suddenly they're flipping coins. That's what I was saying. <laughs> when they were like, they decided but some precincts had to decide between a coin flip. I'm yes. like, what? I'm sorry, what century do we live in? And that's an Iowa specific thing. So when shit goes crazy next week in New Hampshire, Sure, I'm thinking that it might come down to a thumb war. We don't know. We don't really know where this is going to go. At the end of the day, the results were Hillary won 23 delegates with 49.9% of the okay. vote. Sanders won 21 delegates with 49.6% of the vote, which oh, is so that's, close. Oh, hence it's the coin, the, the coin <laughs> yeah. toss. I see. I see now. Uh, on the Republican side, Cruz won eight delegates with 27.6%. Hey. Trump took seven with 24.3% of the vote. And Rubio also took seven with 23.1% of the vote. Now, wow. if you notice, I just said Cruz won eight, which means Trump took seven, therefore Cruz won. Which and Trump was a loser. Trump was a loser. <laughs> and that definitely made him upset. Oh my gosh. And angry. I love angry Trump. He was going off on Twitter about how Cruz had basically won the caucus by lying to constituents. Um, uh, basically, the things that he was taking issue with were Cruz being a politician. Um, <laughs> like, Cruz sent out a mailer that made it seem like uh, people had made an error and uh, the and that was not voting for Cruz. This had, the, the vote hadn't happened yet, obviously. And that the only way to fix said error was to vote for Cruz. So he was, like, oh, weirdly God. shaming people into voting for him. Um, so that was one of many things that Trump took oh issue with. <laughs> but the reality is the Iowa caucus kind of doesn't matter at this point because the races were close. You didn't have, like, a clear runaway victory until someone really starts to pull away and become the clear nominee, we've got to keep doing this. Well, the caucus actually did uh, determine some things. It pushed people into finally dropping out of the race and realized they had no chance. So I would like to take this moment to bid the presidential dropouts a proper goodbye with our favorite memories of their run. Let's start with Mike Huckabee, whose name should be Huckleberry, but he decided to go with Huckabee, and that's probably why he had to drop out. I love Donald Trump. He is a good man. I'm wearing a Trump tie tonight. Get over that one, okay? <laughs> I didn't uh, even that, know that Trump actually, ties existed. So what? Who's wearing a Trump tie? And people who shop at Macy's, first of all. Second oh, of all, I think true. that clip explains why Huckabee had to drop out. Because he was he too busy it. loving Trump <laughs> to actually campaign. Next up, we have Rick Santorum, who's honestly, his entire run was really unremarkable. So I did manage to dig deep in the files and find a quote from his book, which was out in uh, 2005. It takes a family, conservatism, and the common good. What a title. He said, quote, In far too many families with young children, both parents are working, when if they really took an honest look at the budget, they might find they don't need to. Sadly, the propaganda campaign launched in the 1960s has taken root. So apparently the only reason why <laughs> mothers work these days is because they've, like, they've given in to propaganda not because their family needs both incomes. So that's good to know. Thank you so much, Ricky. 
Um, next up, we have Rand Paul. When he announced <laughs> he was pulling out, I was like, shit, I thought you'd already done that. Unfortunately, yeah, everyone else forgot he was running too. There was a video he posted on YouTube the day of the caucus, oh God, yeah. like telling people to, you know, go out, let's do this. You know, let your voice be heard, and only a thousand people watched it. Yeah, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Paul. I'm sorry. Well, last but sort of not least, we have Martin O'Malley. For him, would like to just have a moment of silence because that's all we ever really heard from him. Yeah. You realize your yeah kind of ruined the moment I know, of silence. That's I know, how much but you don't actually, respect him. No, it's actually, it's perfect because it's just like in the debates, right? Like it would be O'Malley's <laughs> turn to talk and someone else would talk instead. You're totally right. You're totally so. right. But you know what? Enough, enough about these um, losers. Let's get into our entertaining things. In between deciding to vote on Trump or Cruz, uh, the right wing now has a new thing to debate. And it's whether or not the movie, the Angry Birds movie, is actually a metaphor about the current immigration crisis going on in Europe right now. The answer is no, it is not. <laughs> but they have managed to convince themselves that it just might be. Now, let me tell you, let me just give you some, some background on what this movie is about. Uh -huh. Red is an angry bird living on an island of happy birds. Oh, um, that sounds brutal. That sounds like my life, actually. <laughs> now... The Happy Birds, they don't really fuck with Angry Bird, and they end up shunning him. Oh. But then a group of green pigs arrive, and the silly Happy Birds welcome them with open arms, but not the red Angry Bird. He knows something's up, and he thinks they're, they're up to something bad. Um, he doesn't trust the, the green pigs and thinks they're going to steal their eggs, and ends up going back to try and save the island. Now, I'm sorry. I feel like we should have had a spoiler alert before you told me the whole plot of the I'm movie. I'm sorry. I think you'll be fine. I think I, I got all that from the trailer. So if you watch that, <laughs> the right wingers, um, they relate with the red angry bird. And they believe the green pigs actually represent Muslims. Okay. And part of the reason they feel this is because the lead pig in the film has a beard. And at one, in one point in the scene, he's standing next to like boxes of TNT. Okay. So I guess they feel like that is clearly symbolism at its best. But I don't understand. If the pigs are the bad guys, shouldn't the right wing be fully on board with this movie? No. If oh no, they're they not they're not true? against this movie. They're oh. just saying that this movie this movie is like pretty much their plight right now. Because you know, like oh. people in the country are always hating on people from the from the far right, but in actuality they know what's they know what's best for the country. That's what it is. Oh. But again, this actually isn't real. See, they're thought... actually crazy and they're making themselves believe things. Okay. I feel uncomfortable even having to explain this story because it's well, nonsense. Speaking of people who have too much time in their hands. <laughs> um, Way too much time. There's a new book out by science journalist Claudia Kolb. Okay. And it is titled Andy Warhol Was a Hoarder. Inside the Minds of History's Great Personalities. You really need to work on these titles. They are not hitting the spot. It looks at journals and letters of famous people in order to propose disorders <laughs> that celebrities may have had. I feel like that's so cruel. <laughs> like you die and then someone's mining yeah. through your journal and being like, yeah. by the way, there was something wrong with you. Um, anyway, so aside from Warhol, uh, the book takes a look at Marilyn Monroe, Frank Lloyd Wright, and Albert Einstein. Part of me thinks this is icky and weird, uh -huh. but another part of me actually thinks that this may is kind of a good thing because I'm always for raising awareness about yeah. mental illness yeah. and acceptance. I'm just going to stop you there. I think this is extremely irresponsible and also really fucking weird 
Because the last time I checked, you can't diagnose someone with a mental illness simply by going through their journals. Right. That's not how that works. And not only that, but isn't there a slight chance that maybe these people didn't want this information out there in the public? Like, um, maybe, maybe if I was a hoarder or if I had, if I had like, if I had OCD or if I had anxiety or whatever, whatever, there's a reason I hadn't shared it yet with people. Like, because it's technically not our business. So right. why are you going through, digging through their shit and then coming out and be like, oh, yeah, we can diagnose you. Never met you. Never actually talked to you. But you did do a lot of weird doodles in your journals. I see what you're saying. For sure. However, it's not like we're talking about random people. We're talking about famous people. People okay, who live so because they're, they're famous, they deserve to have their journals looked and people diagnose them posthumously. I don't I don't think so. <laughs> I do think that there's a different standard for when someone has a certain level of celebrity or fame that their privacy is different. And that comes up all the time with tabloid arguments and, and other things. Well, I'm going to switch gears now to sports. Uh, Johnny Manziel, football Johnny, Johnny football. J- Johnny football. Johnny Appleseed, <laughs> little John Bo Peep. Just, just jo- It's just Johnny football. Johnny, Johnny yeah. John, Johnny boy. He's got so many nicknames. He well, doesn't. It's just Johnny football, actually. <laughs> whichever the case, it looks like his time with the Cleveland Browns is actually coming to an end. It's kind of sad. Yeah, the Browns released a statement on Tuesday stating how they were disappointed with the quarterback and pretty much saying that, yeah, come March, we're probably going to drop him. We're going to you know, decide what the league's rules allow for us to do, but they've mm-hmm. had a, they've pretty much had enough of his antics. Johnny, for a while, was like the talk of the town. He got shouted out by Drake numerous times. Drake even made that song Draft Day and like dedicated the lyrics to him and all that shit. They had like a bromance. All was good. He was a star quarterback at Texas A&M. And I mean, he just like liked to party a lot and then just never fully he adapted to the NFL. He's got... A lot of problems. Yeah, and then he checked into rehab. Remember, he checked into rehab last year, and then I guess people thought, like, okay, he turned a new leaf. Like, these are going to be different. And then things didn't really change. And then in October, there was that whole thing where his girlfriend accused him of assaulting her while they were driving. Here's the thing. I was listening to sports radio recently, and they said something about Johnny Manziel that made a lot of sense to me. For the longest time, I've been feeling really sorry for him, thinking he has a problem, he has an addiction. I I do feel sorry for him. I think it's sad. But they pointed out that he potentially suffers from affluenza. Oh, which, That's coming back. But if you think about it, it makes sense. He is, he, and I'm not saying it's a defense for him, but he is the, the exact person where it's like he's been given all these things, he has success, he's done these things, and he is not capable at this point of making decisions that are appropriate for his life. Yeah. I mean, clearly, you have the world in your hands and every opportunity being given to you, and you can't just not drink just not say ridiculous things, just not do these things. Yeah, I would rather go with maybe has an addiction problem than affluenza because I don't think that is real. And then, of course, we have the biggest football news of the week. Cam Newton's baby. Um, (laughs) Apparently, his name is Chosen and he can walk already and he's a month old. I, I definitely wouldn't say that that's the biggest football story this week. 
But interestingly enough, uh, the biggest story does involve Cam Newton. It's the Super Bowl that's happening this weekend. It is the Carolina Panthers led by Cam Newton. And they will be taking on Peyton Manning's Denver Broncos. This is happening in San Francisco in case you've been living under a rock and didn't know. I actually did not know until like two days ago. How does that happen? One of my coworkers... Okay, I knew I know what the Super Bowl is. I just didn't realize it was this weekend. Okay. Well, it's this weekend um, because it wasn't last weekend, okay. which is when it would have been if it wasn't this weekend. Thank you. Um, but uh, there's a lot of questions. You know, is this going to be Peyton Manning's last year with I the Broncos so. in the NFL at all? Other questions are are coming up too. Like, you know, will an announcer call a black player a thug? Oh, does um, that happen a lot? All the time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a white player does something, they're playing hard. A black player does something, they're a thug. I I always find it fascinating that the Super Bowl is still such a big thing every year. I don't know. Um, it is one after, of the greatest after, sporting events. Of I don't know. The after year. the whole like Justin Janet thing, it kind of lost its spunk for me. You know. Well, they yeah. got a little too PC for my liking. Okay. Yeah. I All hope right. I see some crotch action this year. Isn't Coldplay performing? Yeah, unfortunately. Just whip it out, Chris Martin. Just whip it out, and then and then I'm on. Yeah, well. Mm-hmm. You look like you disagree, but whatever. Let's just move on to the rest of the things we can't believe are things. Our first thing that we can't believe is a thing is giving me nightmares for days. New York Magazine is reporting that teens are cutting open teddy bears, like mm. big Teddy bears. Teenage angst, man. Getting inside of them. Okay. And okay. wearing them like okay. a second skin. Why the or fuck, if man? the teddy bear is too small, they're cutting them open and putting their siblings inside <laughs> said teddy bear. And then posting videos of the teddy bear human horribleness dancing around. Honestly, I blame this on Miley Cyrus because I think what's happening is these kids are taking her whole like oh animal onesie thing like oh way God. too far. And it's like a creepy level where it's not acceptable. No one wants this like leave the teddy bears alone dancing human teddy bears is weird and very creepy but i think i have something that can maybe potentially even top that and it's coming to us from the people over at campbell ewald an ad agency someone from that company leaked an email to adweek that one of the creative leaders that worked at the company jim halk had sent to the entire office and in this email he was telling people that today was, quote, ghetto day. It says, quote, also, please share with the teams that today is officially ghetto day in the SA. I think that's referring to the San Antonio office. And we're inviting our big D home bitches to cycle in and pop a freak with us. Ghetto music, malt 45s at lunch, ghetto terminology, and of course, drugs and prostitution are legal all day until close of business. Word, my cerebral gangsters. Okay, where did we get? Number one, home bitches. Never heard of that. I don't know if he knew what decade we're in and how Mm. these type of things are no longer um, acceptable. They never should have been acceptable, but they're really not. Obviously, the advertising agency has a huge diversity issue because, like, there must have been no black people on staff because there's no way you could have been like, yeah, this is going to go down well. Yeah. And it didn't because he ended up getting fired. Right. And um, just this week, they also fired the CEO of uh, Campbell Ewald, Jim Palmer, because this is not acceptable. And you don't want this associated with your company and someone has to go down on their record there. So, yeah, ghetto day. It's not popping. <clears throat> it's I, not popping in the streets. I mean, Who would have thunk? As interesting as that story was... Uh, 
I sadly can believe that that's a thing. Uh, so I, I'm going to end it there on that depressing note. So I would love for you to follow us on social and, you know, just like at mention people on random stuff that okay. you think have, have resting dick face. Mm-hmm. Let's just do that. I like that. When right now, as you're clearly doing, as you're sitting here listening to this, you're looking for our social to click follow. Uh, you're looking for at more of the things. Which is slightly different than our name. Don't get confused. Don't let it. Don't let it stop you. You can do it. Click the follow button at More of the Things, and uh, we'll see you next week. Holla.